Hey guys, welcome back to Divine Healing by D. Today I have on Dane Dormio. He's a martial scientist and a mind body mastery mentor. He has a bachelor's degree in math and physics, a black belt in Kung Fu Sansu, and a master's certificate in 18 Lohan Palms Qigong. He had his first spiritual awakening in 2004, and he's dedicated his life to understanding the secrets of flow states and optimal human performance. So he helps ambitious professionals and aspiring high performers develop self-discipline, optimize their mind-body energy system, and actualize their full potential. So here we're going to discuss self-discipline, mind-body practice, reducing stress, martial arts, and mind-body mastery different flow states and productivity and personal organization we're going to cover all those things a little bit and hope you enjoy him this was a fun episode here's dane Okay, so you guys know that I love podcasts. I love anything from health, wellness, spirituality, uh, psychology, the works. I'll listen to anything. And you know I love the Skeptic Metaphysicians podcast. I was a guest on it. It was a lot of fun. And if you need to go back and listen to the episode, you know where to find it. But check them out. Skeptic Metaphysicians. They have the most interesting people on just just full of knowledge i hear about topics that i'm not really that familiar with in regards to spirituality so if you like my show and i really hope you do because you're listening please go and check them out skeptic metaphysicians so what exactly is a martial scientist Well, I coined the term martial scientist because I believe that martial arts should be more like a science and less like a religion. Mm-hmm. Basically, traditional martial arts have a lot of the form of religions in terms of being very sectarian, traditional. The purpose of religion is to preserve existing knowledge. Whereas the purpose of science is to create new knowledge. So I believe that martial arts should be pursued in, in that sense as a, rather than as a, an attempt to preserve existing knowledge that's been handed down, but rather to create new knowledge and build upon what's already been discovered and developed. Mm, I see. Were you always interested in martial arts or being active as a child? Yeah, largely thanks to the influence of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I love it. I basically wanted Yeah, I basically wanted to be a Ninja Turtle. Actually, I mean, who doesn't, really? But uh, I basically started doing martial arts as a kid and never really stopped. And did that help kind of connect you more to spirituality and being mindful and connecting to your body more through martial arts and through being active? Yes, definitely, but not not for about 12 years. Mm. Um, there's, 
Actually, I think it'll be helpful to tell a little bit of 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 my story because the work that I do today has been revealed to me through a series of spiritual awakenings where the universe has illuminated my path for me. Mm-hmm. When I when I started doing martial arts as a kid, it was mainly for fun and also because I was bullied and and uh, kind of small and weak and um, had uh, insecurity issues like that. Mm-hmm. But I I mainly did it for fun, which when I was younger was great because I believe that there's a, a window around like age 10 to 14 or so where if a person is is fairly physically fit and active and healthy at that time, then they'll Mm -hmm. tend to be fairly fit and active and healthy throughout the rest of their life. Whereas if they're unfit and unactive and unhealthy at that time, then they'll tend to uh, be more like that throughout their life. They'll have a harder time developing a higher level of, of fitness and health later. So one of the great things that martial arts did for me was, was cause me to be fit and very active mm-hmm. at that time uh, from 10 to 14. I started uh, when I was 10 and that uh, that was good because I was not a person when I was younger at least that enjoyed exercise for the sake of exercise. But right. I could do martial arts all day long. So mm-hmm. that was that was sort of a side benefit, not something I was going for intentionally, but I benefited right. from it. Um, nowadays, I'm much more aware of my body, and I, I know I feel better if I move than if I don't, so mm-hmm. I prefer to move. But um, the first, relating to the, the the way that this all relates to spirituality for me is um, the first uh, 12 years well, so I, I mentioned I started at age 10. Um, I grew up as a rational, materialistic atheist in the Bible Belt with no concept of spiritual consciousness whatsoever. I studied math and physics in college. I went to a small private liberal arts school where you have to study some of everything. So the religion elective I chose was a course in Buddhism. And it was just a bunch of cool old stories. It didn't really mean a lot to me at the time, just like, uh, I had always really enjoyed the Greek myths as a kid. I found and read a copy of the Pancha Tantra. I tried to get into the Tao Te Ching when I was a teenager, but it, it was just seemed like a bunch of gobbledygook to me at the time. But I always enjoyed cool old stories and things like this. So uh, it was uh, taking a, a college class in Buddhism was just cool old stories, including the one about... Uh, Prince Siddhartha Gautama sitting under the Bodhi tree and having the Satori, the instantaneous awakening experience and arising as the Buddha, the awakened one. But Mm -hmm. it didn't really mean a lot to me at the time, really. I was just a bunch of cool old stories. Um, And as I mentioned, I started doing martial arts. I had started doing martial arts when I was 10. Uh, My parents signed me up for lessons at the local taekwondo chain school it was the kind of place where i went to regular testing every two months i 
had a black belt at age 12, a second degree black belt at age 14. And then after that, I started branching out into other types of martial arts. And I, I did all different types of martial arts, uh, Korean, Brazilian, Chinese, mm-hmm. Japanese, wow. Filipino. But for the first 12 years, they were all external martial arts. And um, uh, Davina, are you familiar with the distinction between internal and external martial arts? Uh, I mean, not not fully, but I've heard that there is a distinction. So. Yeah, I think I think a lot of our listeners might kind of have the same idea. Like maybe they've heard of it, or yeah. di- but don't really understand the difference, or maybe haven't even heard of it. But what most of us think of as martial arts are what would be classified as external martial arts, meaning the emphasis is on developing physical fitness, strength, jumping around and kicking high and overcoming strengths with strength, being bigger, faster, stronger. It focuses on the external results that you're creating. Whereas internal martial arts, which are, are... are relatively few. There's really technically only a, a, a handful of Chinese martial arts that would be classified as internal martial arts, although many different martial arts have some internal elements to them. But okay. internal martial arts, the emphasis is on cultivating a meditative state of awareness, developing mm. sensitivity, sensitivity, relaxation, soft power, paying attention to breathing and sensation and what's happening inside the body. So, as I said, I did external martial arts the first 12 years, which got me in really great physical shape. It was good Mm -hmm. for a lot of things. Uh, Then I graduated from college and moved to Southern California for graduate school in physics. And wow. I was in a new town, so I was looked for a new martial arts school to go to. And I found a place called the Kung Fu Academy, which mm-hmm. doesn't really mean anything because Kung Fu is not a specific style of martial arts. Um, okay. A, a lot of people kind of have this idea that Kung Fu is a martial art. But Kung Fu is just Chinese for martial arts. So all Chinese martial arts are Kung Fu. There's thousands and thousands of different styles of Kung Fu. It's not a single style. I so see. I thought, well, this ought, to be something, this ought to be something new and interesting that I haven't learned before. And it turns out that this was a school that taught internal martial arts, largely based in the Tai Chi classics, which is a collection of writing that goes back several hundred years that details the principles of Tai Chi and internal martial arts. And Tai Chi is the most well-known internal martial art. Well, there are others, but um, Tai Chi is the one that, that most people recognize and have heard of. And I found this, this was a completely different uh, approach to training. Actually, I uh, tried Tai Chi once when I was in college, and I found I didn't have the patience for it. So mm, if this school had been called, <laughs> yeah, um, 
if, if this school had been called the Tai Chi Academy, I probably wouldn't have gone. But I thought, oh, the Kung Fu Academy, that would be cool. Uh, but I, I, I found when I started training this way, moving slowly, breathing, focusing on sensation and relaxation, I, I had an experience where after I'd been practicing for several months, I was in my room practicing one evening, as I often was, by myself, mm-hmm. and just moving slowly and breathing and feeling my body, relaxing. And there was this moment when mm-hmm. all of a sudden everything in the whole universe was completely different. Hmm. And at the same time, nothing had changed at all. Everything was exactly the same except for my way of perceiving and experiencing reality. And the first thought that went through my head as soon Mm -hmm. as this happened was, oh, that's what that was. That's what they were talking about in those old stories. That just happened. (laughs) And I realized that this experience that people spend years and and decades and lifetimes striving after and seeking and that I didn't even really believe in had just kind of fallen out of the sky and landed in my lap. Like, oh, where'd that come from? And for me, that that was the point in my life when I, I lived pretty much my entire life up to that point entirely in uh, entirely above the neck and mostly on the left side as uh, uh, Sir Ken Robinson says um, it's uh, pretty much above my head and on the left side and that was the point when I started to experience my my full body and realize that there was such a thing as somatic awareness and spiritual consciousness, which I was completely unaware of before that. And for me, this was the beginning of my personal mind-body mastery journey, particularly the, the internal aspect of it. There's, there's an internal and external uh, aspect to mind-body mastery, which I can go into in a bit. But for me, this was when I, this was, this was what I consider to be the beginning of my own personal mind-body mastery journey and and what got me started on the the path that I've been growing on ever since. Wow. Okay. So that basically, you could definitely say that that really ups your level of self-discipline and also wanting to encourage other people to practice self-discipline. So how... So what does it mean to have it, and how can we practice more of it? Self-discipline? Yes. That's a great question because discipline and and self-discipline are terms that have different meanings to different people. Okay. And, 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 And the meaning that we assign to this is very significant. Because for for a long time, I had a very negative relationship with the concept of discipline. And if you think about it, mm. 
the word discipline, at least half the time when it gets used, you know, especially as when we were kids, it means punishment. Right. You know, it's, it, it's the same thing mm. as punishment. And so, of course, discipline is going to be a negative word. You know, it's it's not it's not going to be a pleasant, happy word. Um, and the term self-discipline. I mean, essentially, it kind of takes on the same meaning as self-punishment, or what what most people think of as, as self-discipline, and what I thought of as self-discipline for a long time was forcing yourself to do something that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so if that's if that's your understanding of of discipline, if that's the meaning of discipline or self discipline for you, of course it's not going to be a pleasant, happy uh, concept. It's not going to be something that that makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside. Right. So what what I've actually realized the the definition of discipline that I now subscribe to is that discipline is the state of alignment such okay. that what you want to do and what is in your what you feel compelled and motivated to do is identical with what you have thought about and decided is in your best interest. So it's this self discipline is when you want to eat your vegetables, when when you want to get up and go for a jog in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The the and and that's 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 a very powerful thing because wanting to do what's good for you is how you sustain it. You, you can't sustain anything that you don't want to do. You don't sustain things that you do want to do. If you want to take care of yourself, you can you can do that as long as you live. But if you don't want to, you might make yourself for a little while, but you'll stop eventually. And a big part of the reason is discipline is actually the opposite of willpower. A lot of people think willpower and discipline are kind of the same thing, but they're actually opposites. No. Yeah. In the sense that willpower is the mental energy expended, the mental energy necessary to overcome internal or external resistance to doing something. Hmm. And Willpower draws on the same mental energy reserves that are used by the brain for critical thinking, for decision-making, for short-term memory, and for empathy. So the more energy you expend on one of these functions, the less energy you have available for all of the others, which results in the phenomenon known as decision fatigue. If you if you spend a lot of mental energy exerting willpower, then you find it much harder to make decisions, or vice versa. In any of these things, if you if your uh, mental batteries are drained, then you also have less energy available for empathy, for example. So, true. Discipline true. is actually about conserving willpower. It's about using the minimal, the least amount of willpower possible to do what you need to do to get through your day, and especially to do the things that are healthy and and supportive for you to do, the things that actually move you forward in life. It's important 
that we use the minimal amount of willpower possible for those things. And so discipline is really about conserving and minimizing the expenditure of willpower. Ah, okay. That's Make it easy on yourself, in other words. That's the best way to be disciplined yeah. about something. Okay. The the goal is let's be let's make it simple so it doesn't always feel like a pressure and then we feel bad and then we just keep repeating and we don't improve. I see. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's another uh step in the downward cycle is you you pressure yourself to do something and then you uh, you don't meet that target and then that results in anxiety, guilt, it can spiral downwards into depression and other things. So it's it's important to to uh, set realistic expectations for yourself and then make mm-hmm. it easy for yourself to follow through with them rather than going, oh, I'm just going to push through or I'm going to tough it out. Right. No matter how much willpower you have, and some people have more than others, but it's still finite. <laughs> yep. I even look at certain people, I'm like, oh, I wish I had your willpower. Like, what am I missing? You know? But yeah, and a lot, I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us probably think that sort of thing about, like, when we look at somebody and we might make some kind of comparison like that, you know, oh, they've got so much willpower. But actually, it's often mm-hmm. not that they have willpower, it's that they have discipline, discipline. which is which is very different. And Discipline is something that anybody can develop, and one one of just just as an example, one of the things that makes people think that they're undisciplined mm-hmm. is biorhythm inertia. Okay. And this is this is just a, a term that I coined that means whatever you're doing right now you'll be more likely to feel like doing 24 hours from now. So if right now you eat something, 24 hours from mm-hmm. now, you'll be more likely to feel like eating something. Uh, right. Or, you know, what you eat. If you eat a salad versus a steak versus a candy bar. Or if you exercise right now, you'll be more likely to feel like doing that 24 hours from now. Or if you lie down for a nap or if you have sex or whatever it is, It'll, you'll feel more likely to do what you're doing right now 24 hours from now. And if you repeat it again, then you'll feel even more likely to do it and so on until uh, you – it. Um, this, this, is, this is how we, we develop habits and patterns and over time. And the longer it's been going, the stronger the biorhythm inertia is. So the more used you are to doing this particular thing at this particular time, then the stronger the urge to do that particular thing at that particular time becomes. And this works – with both positive and negative habits, whether it's good for you or bad for you, biorhythm inertia still applies. So a lot of people might think that they're undisciplined when actually mm-hmm. they're just, uh, they have biorhythm inertia working against them. It's like, oh, I want to get up earlier, you know, but every day I get up at, at 10 a.m. and I want to be getting up at 7 a.m., but it's just so hard or whatever it is. But that's because of biorhythm inertia. If you could get biorhythm inertia working in your favor by getting up just a little bit earlier today. And then if you do that, you'll be more likely to feel like getting up a little bit earlier 
the next day, and so on. And once biorhythm inertia is working in your favor, then you feel like getting up earlier or eating or exercising or meditating or, or whatever it is, when once the pattern is established and you have biorhythm inertia working in your favor, then you just automatically want to do that thing at that time. It doesn't take willpower, and voila, all of a sudden you have discipline. <laughs> yeah. Good point. I really feel like there are... So there basically, are I've, I've, I think people should this, be things. less hard on themselves. The, yeah. It's, it's, it's not about being hard on yourself. It's about being intelligent and understanding your own inner workings so that you can predict and plan accordingly okay. rather than beating yourself up. Okay. Great. Great advice. Thank you. Great, great advice. Can you give You're us welcome. more um, stress-reducing tips, Jane's favorite stress-reducing tips? Yeah, well, that's a great question, too, because stress is something that pretty much everybody experiences to some degree or another, and it tends to be increasing overall for most of us in the modern world. And it's also it's also pretty much the entire cause of every health problem, or at least a contributing factor. I mean, can you name a single health problem that is not exacerbated or made worse by stress? I'll wait. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so, you know, whether it's physical health, mental health, immune function, recovery from illness or injury, all of these things are negatively affected by stress. So understanding how to minimize stress is just about the best thing that anyone can do to improve their experience of life. And there are two fundamental strategies for reducing stress. And and these actually correspond to what I mentioned earlier about the internal and the external path of mind-body mastery. The, the internal path of mind-body mastery is about managing state through regulating body, breath, and mind. Body, breath, and mind are the three internal levers that we have to manage our state moment to moment, and state management is the basis of everything in life. It's the basis of the quality of life, of performance, of mood, of, of happiness, of relationships, of, of financial success. So being able to pay attention in words, regulate body, breath, and mind to manage state is the internal path of mind-body mastery. And one of the, it's, it's half of the answer to how do you reduce stress. The other half is the external path, which has to do with information and action management. Uh, the technical term is, is uh, executive functioning, uh, mm -hmm. what I refer to as the fine art of deciding what to do and then doing it. And this has to do with the flow of 
information and action decisions through our lives. And the the external path to mind-body mastery has to do with uh, with making a with creating a smooth and efficient flow of information and action decisions through our distributed cognition ecosystem. So to reduce stress, this is what it comes down to. The inner path is to use things like exercise, breath work, meditation, and, and of course also a healthy diet and sleep and, and uh, mind-body practices to regulate your interior to manage your state moment to moment to reduce the stress you're experiencing from external factors. The external path to reducing stress is to solve the problem that's causing you stress and put systems in place to ensure that it remains solved. Okay. And both the internal path and the external path are necessary and mutually complementary. A lot of coaches focus on one or the other of these, like just the internal path of uh, mindset and inner game, manifestation and visualization and things like that. And a lot of focus just on the external path of take these particular steps in this particular order to get this particular result. But both the internal and the external are necessary and mutually complementary and rely on each other because no matter how good your state management skills are, they will eventually be taxed to their limit if your long-term planning and decision-making skills are not up to par. And and likewise, the the internal skills only come from practice, meditation or mind-body practice or exercise or breath work or anything like that will, won't do any good unless you actually do it consistently, unless you make it a habit, which is a matter of, having the external uh, systems in place to support consistency. So you can't develop the internal skills unless, you, uh, unless you're able to be consistent and develop habits. On the, other, uh, on the other side of the coin, you can have the best laid plans, the most efficient, well-designed systems, but if you don't follow those plans or follow those systems, then they're useless. If you're not able to direct your energy, attention, and focus to actually follow through with the plans you've made, the systems you've designed, then they won't do you any good. And at the same time, the most important component of any system is you and your Mm -hmm. physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, wellness, fitness, longevity. If you are not taking care of yourself and you are not functioning optimally, then uh, any systems that rely on you to function also, you'll be the bottleneck. So uh, the external path also relies on the internal path just for maintaining your 
uh, your health, wellness, and vitality, and your ability to direct your energy, focus, and attention to follow through with the decisions that you uh, that you made for yourself. So, in a nutshell, to kind of wrap that all up, um, you have to pursue both the internal path and the external path. Yes, use exercise, breath work, meditation, sleep, diet, mind-body practice, all those things. Take good care of yourself and, and reduce your stress internally, but also be proactive, take action, set up systems, and make plans and follow through with them to solve the problems that are causing you stress. Good tip. I love it all. Okay. It's not an either or. It's both. Yeah, it's not an either or. And I feel like it's not a one size fits all too if people have to find things that work for them. But those were like great tips. Thank you, Dane. I really enjoyed talking to you. You're Can you tell everybody where to find you, reach out to you if they want to? Yes, I'm sure my links will be in the show notes, but uh, I'm easy to find at mindbodymastery.academy. Um, you can go there to find the Mind Body Mastery Roadmap, which is uh, which is a report that is designed to help you figure out how to get to the next stage of Mind Body Mastery for yourself, regardless of where you are right now. And I'm also easy to find on Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure I'm the only Dane Dormio in the world. So feel free to connect with me there if, you, uh, if you'd like to talk or just stay connected. Awesome. Thanks, Dane. Wish you best of luck, and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you again. Thanks, Davina. I really enjoy the opportunity and appreciate all the work you're doing. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Have you guys heard of Rakuten? It's where you can shop all your favorite stores online and make money. Yeah, you can make money. I have made thousands of dollars. Granted, I've been on it for a while, but if you're someone who's an online shopper, you need to sign up right now and you can use my invite link that's rakuten r-a-k-u-t-e-n dot com slash r slash divina 141 rakuten dot com slash r slash divina 141 happy shopping and make some money Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, really appreciate ratings on Apple, reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.